0: Recording should be now. There we go. The beautiful automated voice telling us it's recording. So great. Well, I shared like a tiny bit about your background, Anne. But before we officially open up the conversation, I think it'll be really helpful for everyone just for you to dive into what brought you to writing subscription marketing, what brought you into being a nonfiction author, and yeah, like that whole journey that you've had.
1: Great. Okay, so I spent, oof, you know, a couple decades in technology marketing. So that's where I was working. Um, But I'm easily bored, so I went out and worked freelance. So that I would always have lots of different things to be learning and working on. So I was a freelance marketing person in the tech industry um, through the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, up to about 2015 and a little beyond. Um, So I watched, and and the tech industry was changing quite a bit at that point. But my job as a marketer was really primarily writing. Uh, yeah, I, I would write position papers and I would write thought leadership things. Um, so writing was always a part of it. Um, and I was watching the change in that industry in software. You know, when I first started, the software was something that the vendors shrink-wrapped and shipped out to people. And obviously it shifted to something that is delivered from the cloud and I realized as I was sitting in marketing that we were still just doing the same old, same old stuff. I mean, maybe we weren't printing brochures anymore. We were delivering them via PDF. You know, that was our big shift. You know? um, but fundamentally the customer relationship had changed when you switch to a subscription. And so I really wanted to explore that. And I really wanted to explore it with my, my clients in the tech industry, but They weren't interested. They just wanted more new leads. They wanted more of the same lead generation, thought leadership, lead generation. Um, So I wrote subscription marketing, two things. One was this frustration, I, I think, with my clients that I just wanted to say, you know, this looks obvious to me, people. Look, your relationship is changing. You know, if we are only chasing the new customers and we're in an established business, we're going to be really irrelevant really, really soon. So that was one of the reasons. And the other was, of course, as people here on this call will know, I wanted to know, could I do a book? What, what would it be like to write a book? Um, I ended up publishing as an indie author because, one, I had no platform. I'd spent my whole career ghost writing for executives or writing in brand voices. So I had nothing to go to a publisher and say, you know, look at who I am. And two is this thing I said before. I felt like it was obvious so it seemed to me that oh clearly someone's just about to come out with a book on this topic because it's so clear to me that this is a pressing thing. Um, As it turns out I was a couple years ahead on the the obviousness of it that's okay Uh, but so as an indie author I could get it out there much more quickly and that's that's what I chose to do Um, and then I've stayed the indie course pretty much you know I I like to say I, I I came for the speed and I stayed for the control. I stayed because I want to have control over my relationship with my readers. I want to have control over my pricing and how my books are distributed. Um, So that's, that's the story of, of that. And what happened was I found that I just loved writing nonfiction books. I just loved the experience of it, the puzzle of it, the going and talking to people about it. And that was when I shifted gradually my business away from writing for corporations and, more about doing the writing that I uh, writing in my own voice and writing for people on um, different things for different topics, a lot about writing and writing. I also do writing blog posts about book marketing because it's again, that intersection of my interests of, of authoring and, um, you know, marketing. So that's my, my story in a thumbnail ish.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. And I totally I agree with you that I think, We've seen a massive shift in really consumer, but also reader behavior that's especially relevant for our conversation. And I think that we're seeing this shift also in the author world from this sort of maybe flyer brochure type of marketing to what we are now calling subscription marketing, which I do want to be clear with everyone here. Subscription marketing is a mindset and an ethos that I think your book parsed out for me better than anything I've read is directly applicable to all types of business models it doesn't have to be subscriptions you don't like have to have a subscription as an author to be thinking about subscription marketing and to be doing it and i think that exactly. you outline why it's really essential and before we actually dive into foley in the author world i wanted to ask your thoughts on something big that has happened in the tech world marketing and something that I think is actually really interesting for authors to think about, which is Airbnb and their recent quarterly earnings reported their highest profits, which um, is a good thing for the company. But what was more interesting to me when I read deeply about it was that, and I'm not an investor, I just was curious. I found that they dropped their marketing spend by 28% compared to a year ago. And they've had this huge shift from paid search advertising, like Google ads, authors would be using something like Amazon ads is maybe a good comp to performance marketing where they're basically trying to garner press and create sort of these like positive brand feelings. And they've seen a huge benefit from that. So I'm curious how you think about that and what you think about authors and how we utilize ads platforms currently. And does that shift with this shift to subscription marketing?
1: Yeah, I think you know as authors, you know, we can say, well, I want to sell books, right? Uh, Or we can say, I want to have relationships with with readers, and that second thing is so much more powerful. And I think that's what Airbnb is getting at with its shift from selling bookings to focusing on the relationships they have with people who rent or people who are hosts. and how they feel about doing business with them. Now, I mean I if you think about this, there are books that I've read that I like the book, and there are books that I've read it's like I want to read everything that this writer writes, you know. So, I almost subscribe to that author. That it, I almost we, it's almost built in there that nature of that relationship. Um, and I think what's interesting for us as authors is that we are participating in the publishing industry in whichever way we are participating, but this industry is in the midst of massive disruption, and again, it's it's kind of where the software industry was when I was first publishing subscription marketing, saying, "Oh, but this doesn't apply to us. This is this a book about newspapers and magazines?" You know, that was honestly the questions I got from people who were in software at the time. Um, so, I think the traditional publishers are just—I mean, they know things are changing, but they're still haven't just reshifted their mindset and what's happening is around the edges all of this interesting stuff going on that is so much more based on relationships versus transactions um you have uh you know serial serialization platforms that are picking up um that's a an ongoing relationship right you're not just selling a book it's it's the experience of reading the book that you're that you're selling in a way that you're participating in um, we have books going on to the, the large subscription service platforms, uh, not just Kindle Unlimited, but, um, you know, Scribd and Hoopla and all of those places, if you're, if you're wide as an author. And I think a lot of traditional publishers are hesitant to put their books there because that's not the model. Their customer is the book retailer. They want to sell print books. They don't want to sell digital books. That you know, I mean, all of these these things are happening right now. And I think it's important for us to understand them as authors and figure out where we want to play and how we want to play. Um, but, but, you know, how can we form and nurture relationships with our core readers is something that we always, always want to be thinking about. Um, it doesn't mean we abandon other, you know, I mean, I use, I I use advertising, you know, I use some of the traditional marketing metrics, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to, or it's the only thing I was talking to an author recently who had traditionally published, but didn't get really any support from the publisher or nonfiction work. And, um, she said, you know, they're not pleased with my sales and I don't really know what to do. And I said, you know, should I advertise? I said, just take a hundred author copies, (laughs) write a note send it to the people that you think, I mean, you know, this market so well, it's a very niche topic. Send two copies to each of these people that you think are really interested talking to these other startup founders or whatever. And she did that and she got the most amazing responses and booked on podcasts and I want to share it with my team. I mean, she just needed to sometimes putting a book in the mail with a personal note, right? Forget taking that Amazon advertising class. We can all do that. (laughs) And that can be so powerful because it's about a relationship that you're building with someone.
0: Wow. That reminds me the books in the mail of Elliot Pepper, who we had in the podcast. And funnily enough, he comes from the tech world as well, um, but is now a science fiction author. And he told me in a way to kind of flat out his marketing strategy, which is he just sends a hardcover signed copy of his book to his friends, the people that he has relationships with. And then they do all the talking from there. And I think yeah. that's really getting into what, what you're sharing here. And I want to put a pause. I just open this up to everyone because I could probably talk with Ann for hours, but we don't want to make this a podcast. We want to make this a conversation. So you can speak up, you know, turn off mute um, or type in a question, whatever's easier. Um, Type in a thought that you're having as this goes along. Um, Any question for Ann about you know, whether it's tactics, like how should I be letting readers know about my subscription? What platforms are best to reach my readers? What does it take to build a community? I mean, I'm just throwing questions out there, but I want to hear what resonates the most with y'all who are here. Um, and then we'll, we'll all chat about it. And if anyone has thoughts too, and resonates with Ann, what Anne's saying, feel free to chime in because we all have expertise in this and all have knowledge. So I just want to invite everyone to, to speak up if you'd like.
1: Absolutely. Bring in the questions. And, and I'd love to learn from all of you. I mean, I know that people here are doing creative and interesting things. So I'd love to know. It, the funny thing is when I wrote, I'm waiting to see if any questions pop up. But when I wrote the book, I wasn't thinking about authors, authorship. You know, I wasn't even thinking about the very thing I was doing, which is funny, this, this sort of blinders we have <laughs> on our own.
0: You did start thinking about it though, because um, you went back in the third edition and you added a chapter, and I'm I've read the third edition, yeah. so I I know the chapter you added, and I'm reading it or I've read it. Sorry, and was profoundly impacted because it's called subscription marketing um, for for solopreneurs and um, small businesses, and that to That's me true. feels like what we're doing. We are all solopreneurs. Maybe we're have a small team, you know, obviously like an editor, a cover designer, things yeah. like that. We're we're small, and you talked about a few, a few things f- that really struck out to me a few quotes that I want to mention to people and then a question I have for you. So one is that you okay. said booking a new opportunity feels good. It's rewarding. And so we may neglect the very people who have sustained and built our business. That was really striking yeah. to me. Yeah. And what it made me feel like is literally as authors, we can get caught up in like our current ranking on Amazon, right? And that's showing like how much new readers are we getting in a, in a certain period. And then we forget about all the sales that we already had. All the readers were there, whether it's 10, 100, or even one, and we just forget about it. And that really struck with me because I felt like I've always been trying to figure out how do I keep my ranking up? You know, that, that was kind of what made me feel really good. And like, I was being successful And you're basically saying that can lead you down a slippery slope.
1: Yeah, very dark. Yeah, it can really lead you in the wrong direction, which is so interesting. And it's almost like you know chasing that dopamine hit of you know uh, new sale, new sale. I, I, unless I'm actually actively running a promotion, I try not to look at my book sales. I mean, more than once a week or something. I don't want to look at them daily. Well, if i just done something with Amazon ads or something, I want to see if I'm getting in trouble. But you know, it, it's dangerous to focus on that because the people who are going to help us succeed are those who have already bought our books and who love them. When we when we find that right person, when we find that really sweet spot where our words resonate or they love our work, um, then. Uh, they will buy more of our work. They will, they will tell their friends, these are the people we really, really want to be cultivating and and trying to find a relationship with. Now, one of the problems with Amazon is we have no idea who they are, right? We have no visibility. We just have a number on a chart. So um, I'm always welcoming people in the book itself to come and sign up for my writing practices email. I have a email list. is not huge, but it's super engaged, which makes me really happy. Um, and I just send out something twice, twice a, every other week. Generally, I do a blog post. And one once a month, I do a book giveaway, because it's like, I want people to get value from this. And even if they don't care about the subject of the this particular blog post, this doesn't resonate with them, they still have the chance that they want to win a book about writing. And so and but to win, they just need to respond to me. Say I'd like to enter for it. Sometimes I'll ask a question about, you know, what are you working on or something just to get a little conversation. And in doing that, um, I've, I've created this community of people that I gotta say a lot of them have become friends. I mean, their children or spouses have notified me one of them passed away and said how meaningful their interactions we are, we've had. And I mean, it's just like this, this is success as an author. It's serving a community of people um as in the way that makes adds value for them that's success not that amazon bestseller rank success has to be the connection we make with our readers
2: i really love that and i thought that quote was very powerful when michael was um, reading it off because i've actually like fallen into that same thing um i started with subscriptions and, and I wanted to expand as much and as fast as possible in a bunch of different areas so I started doing ebooks and audiobooks and then like slowly I realized like hey I'm not focusing as much as I used to on subscriptions and I'm not fostering that community with the readers who yeah. really built my business and so it's been really it's really been really interesting trying to like focus myself back into it and like continue yeah, to grow and it you know-
1: I think that's one of the issues, Amelia, really, is we have so many things we could be doing, right? I mean, we're all, we have like, you know, way much time in the day and we have a million things that we could, and some voice in our head says, we should be, we read about this person, they're doing that thing. We should be doing that as well. Um, and that way, insanity lies, right? That's, we can't do it all. And those, those things that have that instant little sort of dopamine hit are always going to be attractive. It's like, Ooh, ooh I'll just do this thing. I get a little bump in sales. Um, You know, I do do use discount book promotions to get a bump in sales, but that's strategic. That's to spread a wider net and reach people I'm not able to reach organically um, and to get the algorithms, you know, to feed the algorithms a little bit so that that Amazon will help promote my book. Um, But I don't do them all the time. And I know that's not, that's a a dangerous, you know, it's fun to get that little bestseller tag, but it's fairly meaningless, Um, uh, and yet when we read all of this advice online, it's about those things because it's, it's so easy to measure and track those things. And it's harder to measure the more meaningful engagement. That's so much harder to measure. Um, <sighs> it, it's tricky. So yeah, it's, it's a temptation for all of us.
0: <laughs> it would almost be depressing too, if you could measure it in a sense, like there's a beauty to the things that we can't measure. And that's probably what got us all into writing. We didn't start like reading a book because someone Someone told us it was a 99 out of 100 on the awesome scale of books. Therefore, I experienced it and (laughs) it was 99 for me. So that's really great. Like, we don't think like that. We don't, that isn't how we operate. And the conversation you're reminding me of uh, right now is one that uh, Tim has had, Tim um, Ferris, who's an author as well. He's an entrepreneur. He said a lot of different things and he wrote this incredible blog post. It's quite long, so sit down and read it when you have time, about how to say no. And there's this really powerful quote that sticks out to me in it. That a friend told him when he was feeling really stressed out. And his friend told him, "Are you doing what you're uniquely capable of? What you feel placed here on earth to do? Can you be replaced?" And he asked him that question, and he analyzed what he was doing at that time in his life. And because he was an author who and a podcaster who was writing for um, a, a more like technology-focused audience, he was getting a lot of inbound to invest in companies. So he like invested in Twitter, uh, Facebook, all these companies, right? So he was kind of living that life. But then he's like, this is horrible. I'm not liking this anymore. I'm stressed out. And he was trying to figure out what to do. And then his friend tells him, I've seen someone walk up to you. Who lost 100 pounds in tears because of what your book did for them? It was called, like, the slow carb diet that he wrote. I can promise you that your investing work, anything else you're doing, will never give someone that feeling. Like, this is your unique thing. You are a writer. And I think that's also what's important for us to remember too. Like, we are writers. And although we love spending all of our time writing, I know I've done this myself. I can be spending more time trying to figure out how to sell my books than actually writing them. I've gotten caught in that trap. And that was a really important reminder for me. I do want to field a question from the chat. So yeah. Jen yeah. says, "And do you have your own subscription? And then how can we set up, uh, see what, what you're, you're up, up to these days? Um, so that's from Jen. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's such a, it's a good question. Yeah, so my subscription... The only subscription I have right now is my email list, right? So, which you can find on my website, which is anchanser.com. And on the front page, there should be, be something about signing up for writing practices, um, which is my, my email list. Um, it is ironic, I realize, that because um, <laughs> I wrote the book on subscription marketing, that I'm not more deeply delivering my content via subscriptions. You know, I thought about doing something with a Patreon. I was thinking about early in 2020 um, that, you know, I could do a subscription, have more deep relationships. And then the pandemic happened and I thought, uh, you know, I don't feel I am don't want to hit people up for money for stuff. And I just want to give all of this. I don't want to take away anything I'm doing for my existing list. You know, I, at the time I started doing free weekly webinars, because I thought we'd only be shut in for a short while. (laughs) So for all the (laughs) authors on my list, I did free weekly author marketing, and I ran out of topics. I'm like, okay, we're done (laughs) for a while. Um, uh, But you know, I want to just deliver that value to my audience without, so I don't have a monetized subscription. Um, I know there's been a big, you know, push, everyone was jumping on Substack. And I just, again, didn't want to add something outside of writing my books and outside of the writing i'm doing for my community now so i have resisted that um so i have no monetized but but i you know the subscription is the envelope for my relationships with my communities right um i mean my closest my closest one is uh uh my my subscription email list so yeah uh jane friedman you just saw you put her name in the chat um i subscribed to her email, which is I also think every other week called the hot sheet and it's about the publishing industry and a lot of it covers. Yeah. It's fantastic. Right. Um, and that's how I sort of keep my thumb on what's happening. You know, there was something in the most recent issue about how the traditional publishers are just looking at, you know, print books and they see that their eBooks are, (laughs) Holding steady. Their ebook sales are steady. So they're like, we're fine. The market's and, not growing. Data reveals that ebook readership has grown up. So their market <laughs> their market share is declining. And they're not even looking at, you know, these serialized things. They're not even looking at all of these other ways that people are now engaging with and consuming content because it's outside of their print book goes to retailer model and let's try not to look at amazon directly in the eye because we might turn to stone you know so they're not looking at that um so i think it's just very very interesting to see um what's going on with this and in in the market that i wandered off the question
0: though
3: so <laughs>
0: apologies well, i i think if you actually answered it really well because um, so um, yeah i was going to say like subscriptions can just be an email and the idea of like subscription marketing What we're talking about today is more of an ethos of how you build relationships with your readers. So it doesn't mean that you have to have a subscription to employ all of these awesome strategies. If you do do these awesome strategies, you could have a paid subscription for your readers and it would probably work quite well. But it also will mean that your book launch will probably go well. It'll probably mean that anything else you do will do better as an author. And I think you're actually a really good sign of that. Someone who hasn't chosen to adopt the monetization model, but has adopted the mindset. And that's I think essential before you can even adopt the, the business model, you have to adopt the mindset. Um, And maybe one day you'll be prepared to do it, but um, maybe not that's okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: the mistake people make is thinking of as subscriptions as as exclusively a billing model, you know, I, and that's just, that's a, that's a not going to work out very well. You know um, I've seen, I've seen clients or companies that say, Oh, you need to buy this now, because we're going to shift our thing to subscription. And then, you know, so you're going to end up paying a lot more. So buy now, I mean, they're using subscription. as like a, a stick, you know, a and, lot and it's like, that. Oh, that's just so wrong, you know? Um, but it's, it's not just a billing model, you know, and it doesn't even need billing involved with it. It's the question is, are you focused on transactions or are you focused on relationships? And, uh, the second is so much more fun and you can get so much more creative um, and delivers value in ways that are sometimes, you know, it's a two way, I think I say this in the the third edition, I realized, oh, it's a two way relationship. It's not just, you know, if you get value back from your subscribers, it may not have anything to do with money. It, It does, but they're supporting you. I can't, I can't tell you how much support and, um, pleasure I get from, people on my email list. It's just it, it has become I didn't set out to do it as a community, but it has become a community and uh I just it's a very rewarding part of my writing life. I'll do a webinar if I'm working on a book, I'll do a webinar and invite them to come and you know talk about listen to the topic and I kind of test out the topic and how it lands on people and they give me feedback and I get early readers and it's you know how much fun is that? They're actually almost part of my writing process, which is very cool. So
0: Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest benefits. And Luna, I see you have your hand up. So I'd love for you to ask a question. You can uh, turn off your mute. Hi, good
5: afternoon, everyone.
0: Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm not
5: sure if you're hearing me.
0: I can hear you perfectly.
5: Okay. (laughs) I'm okay. Um, So I'm just starting my my sis- sorry my subscription for patreon and i have no idea if i did the entire setup right because it's so um confusing um as to when it comes to the tiers and what you gift and what you get um from the previous tier and what do you don't get from the previous tier that probably stays where it's at so like how do
1: I know if I did it correctly? I think you get, you, you, you ask someone to, to subscribe for you and share that experience uh, uh, with you to see. Um, you know, I did, before I did my Patreon, the Patreon I never did. Before I did it, I did a survey to my email list and I said, you know, what would you, what would you like to see? What would you subscribe to? What would you be comfortable paying with? So I actually had some sense of what people wanted and what they'd be comfortable paying, which was really, really useful um, to to do that. But to figure out the tiers and how they land with people um, is really hard to do right. Have you done a lot of research of what other people uh, have done for those tiers? Because that can be very useful. I looked at
5: Amelia, I looked at EJ Frost, I looked at a couple other people who are um you hear people talk about killing it. Yes, EJ. I love her. Um, You hear people killing it with Patreon. And for me, Patreon would be the best way for me to um, write and give content and keep the momentum going as I live in part of the world that doesn't allow me to do Kindle Bella so it's not like I can go and say hey I'm on Amazon here's a way for you to get my chapter by chapter because that's the only way I'm going to keep writing and finish the book is if I have that accountability I have people waiting for me um waiting for that project so this is why I want to get started to see like Am I doing it correctly before I put it out there? Because I don't have a reader base that I can go back to and say, um, "Are you guys going to be interested in this?" I'm building from scratch. So I think Patreon's harder
1: when you don't have the base. Um, uh, so it's it's you know you can just put it up there, but it's it's hard to get people there and involved. Um, you might also look. I know that there's Beyond Vela, which is you know the big Magilla, the but there's there there are other serialization platforms uh, there's a webtoon yeah is a new they're one. Just i haven't tried it but i read about it we
5: restrict. i'm in the caribbean so my my restrictions are a lot more than people who are scattered oh, okay. across the world interesting so, so sorry go ahead Maria. i was just gonna say can you post on Braddock i can't post on like
2: Wattpad? yeah okay. i can do those too do you
4: write romance i do
2: Okay, so I would um recommend starting there um, if you haven't already because those would be really good um places to build up like a little bit of a like it doesn't even have to be mm-hmm. a big following um, just a few a few people who um are reading your your book like regularly and then you can kind of go from there and ask them what they think about your tears, um and just yeah. From, yeah start there i would that's what I would recommend.
1: makes sense you know it, it starts with the start with the relationships and then build the subscription
0: <laughs> yes okay. that's probably
5: I, I was yeah. doing it yeah. wrong
0: <laughs> no no, you were not doing it wrong uh it's all about iterating, and that's all what it's about and I think uh and really
2: yeah
0: made me understand when reading subscription marketing just how important trust is in subscriptions and sort of any sort of transaction trust is everything. And I'm curious and what you found in your author career has helped you build trust with your readers.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think, I think I have learned to be, be just that level of, uh, Authentic sounds so we overused, you know what I mean? But I try to show up as who I really am in the emails. Um, and I don't overshare about my personal life, but I will draw stories from from personal, uh, from from the response. Another thing that I've done, which is interesting and has been really fun. So, uh, you know, for when I've made my email list, right, which I encourage you all to do, no matter how you're doing subscriptions, um, to have an email list so that you actually can, can send people emails. Uh, I have a, an auto responder thing with a few emails. And one of them is I just ask people, Hey, send me your, uh, any writing problem you have and I'll give it, take a shot at it. And people do. And they send me, I'm stuck with this. And I will just take the time to personally suggest a couple things, try this. That's oh, really interesting. Have you looked at this? You know? Um, and I, so I think people know, I'm just, I'm interested in, in, in being there for them. And I think that helps to demonstrate, uh, to build some little bit of trust uh, between people. I really don't want to waste anybody's time. I want only want you to be on my list if you really want to be on a list. There's you know double opt-in and all that. I'm never just adding people to a list. I'm always making sure they really want to be there. Um, and so I think it just is approaching everything. So with you, Luna, I would be really transparent. I would say I am writing this. I need some readers who enjoy this, who are going to hold me accountable. So they become part of your journey. Now, isn't that so much more compelling to you as a reader? Not only if you're reading it, but you actually are essentially helping the author it write it. Does, I mean, I think.
5: It does actually sound yeah. more compelling yeah. when you say it. I would love for you to be like, cause that's, that's totally on brand for my personality. So asking someone to to be a part of my journey and then appreciating the fact that they're there supporting me throughout it. So it says thank you so much for that bit of information. I think Stephanie had her hand raised.
0: Stephanie would love to hear from you. And this will be a good time for me to mention while Stephanie is getting ready that Anyone can ask any questions about, I mean, anything related to the author life, to be honest, but um, definitely we're talking about subscription marketing today. So if you have any specific questions about that, but really anything about marketing your books, writing, anything that we can draw on Anne's insights and expertise from while we have her right here. I, I
6: have a question. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I'm just I'm looking for more ways to get people to subscribe. I have a Patreon and I I have a fairly large reader base and it's doing it's doing okay. Like it's it's starting to get going and I'm enjoying it a lot. But I'm I need to have like more people coming in the Patreon door. So I have like I have my I I always talk about it in my, my newsletter and I put teasers out and stuff like that. I talk about it on Instagram and I put teasers out and then same with TikTok, but then I'm wondering if I'm missing anything like, or if it's just, I just have to like peck away at it slowly say- like that. So yeah, that's my I'd question. say two things.
1: One is there's always the, um, you know, whenever we're, we're faced with this, here's something, should I subscribe to it? You know, there, there's scales, little scales in our head. There's the value we're going to get from it. And there's the the cost, and the cost might be money if if you're Patreon. It might be oh my gosh, I have another email to read, and my email inbox is overwhelmed. Right, so we're always I always try to tip the scales in value, right? Offer a little more so that that's easy. The second thing, and this is an interesting one that some other nonfiction authors have shared, and I've started doing more, which is just remind people, hey, if you know someone who likes this, please forward it. If you know someone, so so this sort of sharing of you were, you know, in your case, share the, the non-paid thing, right? Because the more people on your unpaid thing, the more people funnel right. through to your, your paid Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hey, just remind people, here's a link, share it with them if you know someone who would like it. Uh, because then you're giving someone a chance to do something nice for someone else who is a good fit. You're, you're expanding that net of finding those good fit yeah. readers um, yeah. and, and not trying to do all the okay. heavy lifting yourself. So that's that's a useful thing just to integrate in that consistent. I'm trying to add that ask to most of my emails. Hey, if you know someone who's struggling with this thing right now that this would help, please send them the post. That would be cool. So, okay. Yeah, that's
6: great. Okay. Thank you.
0: I also have a question for you, Christy. So when you say problem is getting people to Patreon is it getting people once they see your Patreon page to convert or be inside description? And once they're there, they're happy and staying subscribed, or is it that they're not clicking to go to the Patreon page?
6: I think it's it's more just getting them to subscribe. Um, Cause once they're there, they're, they're there. Like they've, they've stayed like that. Like that's so that's really good. I've had, like I I started it a few months ago and the people who started it like I think like seven no no no, four months ago so the people who have who signed up four months ago are still there and are as far as I know very happy from what they're saying um yeah I'm gonna say I'm gonna say maybe getting to sign up because they I do see people clicking but you know what I now that I'm thinking about it that you're asking I don't know if I'm seeing a ton of like, I think I could see more clicks to it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, those are my two yeah. areas of issue then. Th- we th- did this with two. Yeah.
0: We did this with Kyra Fox and I'd, I'd love, and this is an open invite to anyone. Uh, sometimes annoying seeing some of the analytics, but actually getting into this data can be helpful. If you go into like your mailing, mailer list provider and your social media okay. accounts that you've been posting okay. on and add up all the link clicks that you have yeah. attributed. And this yes. is the roughest way that you can get okay. a conversion and then try and see how much people have actually converted to your um, subscription, which is a, you probably know that off the top of your head. And if right. it's a low conversion rate, then maybe there's a problem there. Um, I, I It's tough. We don't have a ton of data yeah. on what's okay. a good conversion rate data, but I would say like if you're below a 2%, that's definitely something to be wary of. Another thing, though, is if you're having problems getting people to click, you'll see a low click through rate. So if you have a thousand people opening your email, but only two are clicking on the Patreon link, you've probably you probably want to get more people to click. You could get that all the way up to 10 percent feasibly. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did this with Kyra Fox, um, where we looked through her thing and we realized that her problem she thought was that people weren't subscribing to her page. And we looked at it and actually like a very high percentage of the people who saw her page subscribed. The problem was people weren't seeing the page. They weren't clicking. So we tried to help her get more people to actually click on the link. Um, And I think Amelia could probably share ways that she's gotten her readers to click on the link because she's awfully good at that. Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) Putting me on the spot here. Um, (laughs) I would say um, I know at least when I put, my link in my newsletter uh, I do add a chapter so I do like early yeah. access I don't know yeah. how yours is set up um this is just my experience so I do the chapter have um it, it end on a cliffhanger and then right underneath it it's a there's a button that leads directly to my okay. subscription and I know like the first few times I did that I had a, like 10% of people who opened the newsletter okay. clicked on the link I don't know how many people actually subscribe because yeah. I'm bad at data, but um, yeah, that's what I've done at least. Okay. But okay I would be happy good. to like walk it or yeah. run through you with it at
6: any time. Yeah, I'm sure. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because I, I have like teasers. I haven't been putting like the full chapter because I wasn't sure if that was fair because like people are paying for that chapter. So I'm like, is it fair to like give it away in the newsletter? But I, but I could do other things. Like I could just write. I could just write more things, and then have that. You know, yeah. That that's for everybody, sort of thing. So, yeah. But that's
1: the tricky part for me is figuring out what what would live behind a paywall yeah. and what wouldn't. Right. I mean, that's that's the that's the tricky part. So, but I'm not. I'm a non-fiction author too, so I have a yeah. little different take on the world.
0: Yeah, it's almost like. um you know, uh, fiction authors are kind of operating in the realm of like Disney and such, and nonfiction authors are kind of operating in the realm of like maybe universities or the New York Times. All these are big industries, interesting to look at. Like, what is the New York Times? Like, how do they get people to subscribe? Is a really interesting thing to look at as a nonfiction author. How does a how does a college convince people to pay you know seventy 000, eighty thousand dollars a year if they're a private university for their education? Whereas Likewise, for fiction authors, how does Disney convince people to pay $120 to go to their theme park or hundred million people to pay $8 a month to get content on Disney plus, obviously all of those plus. are different revenue streams, different customers they're serving. But I, I, I like to think about those kind of analogies, which actually, um, I, I am promoting your book. So I, I, if I sound like I'm peddling Anne's book, I, I actually am. The thing that really yeah, I enjoyed I about your book, book was these industry examples, because, um, even though the book wasn't explicitly written for like an author sole target audience, getting these industry examples was so helpful for me. And another thing I wanted to ask you, and then I want to go to Jen's question, but it is about embedding values in your business model. And this is something that I think we see authors do all the time, and I think it's so underrated how powerful it is. And I wanted you to just speak a little bit about what you see successful in a subscription marketing relationship between, you know, a business or a creative person and their reader or their audience when they're trying to embed values into their business model. Like, what does that really mean? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to, you can deliver value, you know, value has a lot of meanings, but you can also find those people that your values are really aligned with. Um, And if you think about some of the businesses that you do business with, you know, you, maybe you read something noxious that the CEO's done. You're like, Oh, I'm not sure I want to do business with that business. And maybe you read something wonderful about, uh, you know, Airbnb has done some really brilliant um, things to help people who are, Uh, you know, free things to help people who are refugees and and paying people to put their houses. I mean, they've done some things to say, look, we're going to we're going to do this. We think this is important. Um, So when you see a company that does something you think aligns with your values, you think, well, I want I want to be in a relationship with them. Right. So the question is, how does that apply to us as authors? And I think, you know, as Michael said, we should be looking at every industry and saying, how does that, how would that apply to me as an author? Because it's, if we just look at what traditional publishing does all the time, we're just going to be off in that corner doing that thing. <laughs> and we want to be somewhere else. Um, so, right? <laughs> um, so, all right, we want to be relevant and interesting. And I think what we have, if, if we are, whether we're published indie or traditionally or hybrid or something, if we are really engaged authors, we have the ability to be creative and do things that are different. And I think that's our greatest strength. Uh, you know, I'll never be a Stephen King, and that's fine. I don't need to be a Stephen King, um, who is, you know, massively successful in the traditional model. Um, but I can do things that are much more flexible. And I think that's true of you. So, what does that mean for us as, uh, as authors? What can we do that, you know, shares our values? We, we can be honest about our values, we can donate a portion of proceeds to help victims of something we can do, you know, I've seen people do all sorts of really interesting things with, um, you know, doing uh, books that are, um, you know, give a part, part of something or really provide visibility to something. Um, I, you know, there's, there's just a lot of ways to tackle this, it's going to be very dependent um, um, on you and it, it can be something a very light thing as well I mean I've seen authors who share tons of photos of their cats and you know the cat lovers in the audience are going to love that too I mean it, it, it could just be letting people know who you are and what you're about um, is certainly something that one way to share your values but but the point is that values are one of the ways that we connect with people they're unfortunately they're one of the ways we divide people as well so right now in this world, people do divide on long values. So I think, you, you know, you give some thought about what you wanna share and what's important to you. Um, but, and then make sure that you're, you know you're living it and walking it. I think I have made a, a point of, I, I, one of my values as a nonfiction author is to support and encourage and develop other nonfiction authors. Um, and particularly, especially I'd like to support, you know women and, and people who may be a little bit less represented who haven't felt like they can write a book. Um, I'm talking about nonfiction writing. So one of my values is that I also constantly read and post reviews of books by authors, often women authors or underrepresented authors in my genres, in the nonfiction world, where I think that they're in nonfiction and particularly they're really marginalized. Um, The Economist had an article about, you know, the best books to read to become a better writer. And they listed seven books and they were all by men. And I'm like, come on, you know, I mean, it's not like there aren't any women, you know, Anne Lamott, anybody? I mean, come on, how hard do you have to look to find a book about writing by a woman? And their, their picture on the blog was three women talking about writing as I read these books by men. And it's not that the books aren't wonderful, they are, but the point is, you know, yeah. come on. So that's so, so I do, I mean, that's just something that I do. I don't know if people even notice, but. I did a book called Get the Word Out, Write a Book That Makes a Difference. And every author I interviewed there was a woman. I just did that because men don't need to see themselves in it. They've seen themselves plenty. And the men have enjoyed the book and get a lot from it. It wasn't about just being a woman and writing a book, but just subtly the people I quoted and in interviewed were women because that's one way I'm living my values, you know, in that. And I suspect my readers, you know, some of them, them feel that and feel a connection with it and others you know it doesn't matter so i don't don't know i'd be interested in what other people are doing uh how you think about that in the fiction world because fiction is you know loaded with value the world you create the what your characters do you're expressing your values all the time in fiction right so you think about explicitly about what they are and maybe what do you pull up and what do you 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 know Share people that this is something that's important to you. So, if you write about art history, do you, you know, then also share posts about you know what museum local is doing or I don't know, you know, just think about how things connect.
0: Um, I think that's beautiful. So I think it's beautiful. In- yeah, uh, we'll go to Jen's comment next. Um, next, and then anyone who wants to ask questions. I'll be hanging out around till probably like 3.30, 3.45 or so, but Anne's going to leave at three because we want to respect her time. So in the next 10 minutes or so, I should say three Eastern. So she'll be here till the top of the hour. Uh, so any questions you have, let's let's run through them all. Um, and of course, um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue the conversation afterwards as well. But from Jen. So Jen says that they're starting a free fiction blog and we'll publishing shorts on multiple platforms several months before I launch patreon but what other ways can i spare engagement in general from my existing list the current state of things is she has a 2000 um reader list and uh 1000 people um i'm assuming following or have liked your facebook page but it's crickets when you post my, my first question to that and i'm curious am will say is just where did you get those people from like who are they who are on your list right now back matter. Oh, okay. Those feel like really relevant people. Oh, interesting. That's so really your... impressive.
1: Book. That's great. Yeah. Um book funnel. Oh, okay. Do All you right. have a segment
0: so... of either of those?
4: Separate list. Okay. Interesting. Okay.
1: So they have, you know, raised your hand saying, I like your work. Essentially. I mean, by, by signing up because they have read your work. Um, uh, you know, I think something that I've learned about engagement is that it really helps to simply ask for it. <laughs> you know? um, say, uh, what do you think about um, put up a, a survey I've done surveys and those are really, really interesting. You don't, you may not get huge numbers, but, what you're doing is inviting people to be part of what's going on, to be part of your, your author journey. or making, your drawing them in a little closer. Um, you could do uh, sort of an A-B test of a cover design just to your audience, um, which would be like the best data ever uh, because they like your work, um, you know, and, and just invite people to vote on it. Um, something like that would be fun. Uh, you could do, you know, just give people a chance. To contribute in a meaningful way. I mean, geez, don't we all want to be able to contribute in a meaningful way to things? Yeah. So, how can you invite that? How can you invite that in? Um, I think that's when I ask people who are signing up for my list for their writing practices, that their their writing problems. That's one thing that I do. Um, that's it's getting people making that used to feeling comfortable sending me an email and getting an email back uh, engagement, <laughs> getting that. So it, it's something that needs to, for me, I need to think about it with every email I post. I, I'll write something, me, me, me. And then like, okay, what? Well, going to go rewrite it. You, 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 you know, and then, you know, if I'm posting on LinkedIn, you know, how have you come up with a question and prompt the engagement, prompt them how they're going to, what, what would you share? What's your experience with this? Um, it sounds so silly and, and simple, but it's really easy to lose sight of when we're chunking to get through deadlines and get things out and post things, not to actually actively request the engagement, actively ask people to contribute. Um, I don't know if you're doing that at this point, so I, I can't speak to that. Awesome. Um, anyone else have anything, any great advice along that respect? <laughs>
0: I would That's say, helpful. Okay. I'm glad that was really helpful. I, My only thing to add, because I think that all is such amazing insights is that when you start to get your readers to feel like it's not just a one-way communication, but a two-way street, things can start to spiral quickly, especially if you bring that communication into a place in which other people can see that behavior. So maybe if it's in... If you're having them post on like your website blog and they can comment and then you're interacting with them in the comments, then it becomes something where when someone else is like, should I interact, will it matter, they go wait, but they responded to them and there's that conversation happening, maybe I want to participate in that or I can spark my own with the with the author. So sometimes it's helpful to think about how you can do that sort of thing to really spark it but also the one to one private email interactions are really intimate, um, as well. So don't overlook either of those opportunities in terms of just fostering relationships.
1: One thing, uh, Jane Friedman does in her free newsletter and I'm a big fan of James, um, she'll have a, a question of the, the week. It's like, what's your favorite writing tool? And then she summarizes it the next one. So she's modeling engage- engagement, you know, she's actually Asking for input. And then the next one she'll say, okay, I asked you what your free writing tool favorite writing tools were, and this were the answers. This month's question is, you know, what's your favorite graphics tool? Or I don't know, something like that. So not only are is she crowdsourcing great ideas, but she's showing us that her community is engaged and that we could contribute. Every time I read one of those, it's like, oh dang, I should have sent something. And I'll do that this time, you know. Um, that's a fun way to do too. So if you ask for engagement and if people are okay. With it, then share the next time. You know, x number of people of you told of you x number of people here told me that they really care about this. I just did a, a survey on my own email. Like, what do you want to see more of, and what do you want to see less of? Um, and I got a wow. fair number of people doing the the survey. I haven't checked back. I sent another ping on it, but you know, why not ask for it and then share the results if, if you can do it anonymously or get permission if it's personal. I mean, obviously that stuff. So yeah.
6: I- I can add something um I had um I'm I'm releasing a new book and I'm and I, as I'm writing it I'm involving my readers and so I'll release like a hint and then I'll get them I'll ask them to say what do you think is going to happen here you know like what do you think about this character what do you think he is what do you think their role in this is and then that's got and then I post about it later so that's another way to get them uh, book related in a book related way
1: that's great. Plus it gives you insight into where your readers are going with you. And if you, if they're going off in the same direction, which would be probably useful. yeah, um, yeah that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So, so I just, whatever, you know, just encourage you to think about a way to find engagement, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's not, doesn't always have to take a lot of extra work, just a little bit of thought when you're posting, it's like, wait, how am I opening the channel back? Yeah.
0: That's a really, you know, oftentimes I've heard that the the most important space in a book is the white space. I think we all do this when we're writing. We always want to have almost a spot where our readers are having this emotional reaction. And sometimes we don't bring that same creativity and mindset into our marketing and into our other communications. But if, I think if you do do that, it makes it so just easy. And we've seen like a lot of creators with like just subscriptions, like, like, you know, five ten dollar month tiers who barely even describe them and use like funny words to like as the names that like if you're not a reader you would not understand it but they know who's coming in there. You're already part of that language. And now this is just another space for you to engage with the story. And there's something in that where we can all have a lot of fun with it. So does yeah. anyone I, else I'm
1: also getting more to the
0: Right. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, does anyone else have any questions um, for Anne um, about subscription marketing, the author life? She'll be with us at the top of the hour. I'll be hanging out a little bit past it, but we'd love to get any questions for you so we can garner some of her insights. Okay. Yeah. I so, Ellen speak up. We'd love to hear from you. Really excited to see you here today too. Hey,
7: I'm so excited to be here. Uh- um, always, I always get so much the replying back to emails, things that I heard you say, somebody said that in one of your other podcast things. And it was like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> it was the, it was just, it was a moment of, of, cause I've had readers, you know, send me little notes or whatever. And it just never occurred to me. Oh, wait, that, that's okay. <laughs> that's great. So I love that it just was a breakthrough moment. And the other, the question I have is kind of related to reader habits and how to get your message across to different kinds of reader habits. Mm. Does that make sense? So as a subscription, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little bit subscription, but I know that some of my audience is never going to want the chapter by chapter early access. They want the whole thing at once and they are willing to pay for that experience, but they're never going to want the chapter by chapter. Um, and so they might follow me and engage in little ways, but um, they're not going to. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. But it, it's, it's, a, it's about targeting the message for me. Then. How am I how am I separating that so I don't wear one audience out that is just waiting for the book shut up just right and the other audience that is like oh come come and I want to I want to engage with you and I want to hear everything you're saying and I want that next chapter and I want all the stuff you can give me ahead of time and then I'll buy the book too but I, I want to eat it as fast as you can create it how do you message that in in a way that is clear and concise and not incredibly repetitive yeah
1: you almost it, it almost depends on uh, I don't know what technology you're using if it's it's patreon you could have different tiers you could have a tier for someone who is like you know give me an insight into your writing process keep me let me know what's going let me know when next thing coming and let me have the first access to a discount or something versus those who want the chapter by chapter um if you are doing an email list if you can segment it it's not always easy um but if you can segment it you might be able to to have different lists or different chains for those things but i think you're right you have a, a couple different how do you provide value when value means something different to the different communities? It, it's going to take some kind of uh, segmentation um, to do that, I think. I'm going to uh, so have So is there something? Yeah. You... I think
7: that's yeah. the only way yeah. I'm, I'm like, is there some, you're not giving me the shortcut magic wand I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so I just have to speak differently to those two different audiences because because they want something different, and um, I appreciate them both. They both have have been really good to me. But um yeah, I, I you're right. I'm second, just have to speak different. The other question: the second ahead. audience might like, want to be early readers yeah. for you,
1: early reviewers. They might want to have a different role. Yeah, in your, in your yeah, they so they give the book course. all at once. Early. And then yeah. I discovered
7: yeah that I have two different series going on and they, they're they totally different. They're different readers interested in different series. And so they aren't as engaged in one series as they are in another. And so when I'm writing, um, when I want to focus on one thing at a time, they're like, well, maybe, but we're not really going to engage with you as much unless you're doing the story we want, which I also understand, but I only have one pen name. <laughs> And, and you're all mixed up. <laughs> That's
1: a challenge. I'm
7: <laughs> so just realizing in the last two months, I'm just realizing how mixed up they are. Um, I have. I'm wondering if um, for you, I know that um, I talked to other writers about the difference between print books and digital. Just because digital has to come at readers who are used to digital in more soundbite forms. They don't like long blocks of text. They don't like long blocks of information. So when talking about delivering information and content and emails, have you run up against trouble, any trouble, or is just your audience, they just love the big blocks? Or do you have trouble getting across the um, the meaning in shorter blocks? I mean, have you had any any? So I don't deliver my book chapters by, you know,
1: by subscription because I reply email because that's not what I do but I 100% agree with you that I think and, and that we read differently online we need a lot more white space and I would argue even that that is bleeding over into the way we reprint books um as I'm working with a bunch of nonfiction, I do nonfiction fiction uh, uh book coaching and some developmental editing and I'm like you know what you need to let's just have one big idea per chapter and not uh, per per paragraph and not three you know I, I'm breaking up their text because I think we're losing that big block of text. So I think it would be totally legit if you're delivering chapters to subscribers for online consumption to just to, to go with the smaller paragraphs. And no one's going to complain to get the print book. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you, you feel like you want a little meatier paragraphs. Um, but I yeah. don't also think you're going to have a lot of print readers going, gosh, darn it. I wish she had longer paragraphs. <laughs>
7: <laughs> do I wish a, I looked
1: at this page and it looked denser because that would make me so happy.
7: <laughs> in your on your email list, do you have that same do you do that same thing? Keep your paragraphs and everything small and everything. Yeah. Um because I find when I'm writing letters, I don't pay attention as much to that kind of stuff. And my email, you know, is like a letter. And um I uh I'm not not yeah, I I'm not getting yeah, great engagement yeah. sometimes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I would highly
1: recommend for your emails as well, break it up. Um we are, you know, yeah. I, I, okay. S- send yourself your email. Go to Starbucks, <laughs> wait in I line did. and read it on your phone. And see if okay. you if you if you like, oh I can't deal with this. That's exactly what your readers are. Um, you know, I just that's my that's my that's my coffee test. Uh, you know, read it on your phone while you're doing Could something else more. because that is how people are reading your emails.
7: Yeah. yeah. And then my third thing is is I have my, my um my subscription thing you were just talking about and I want to share and just get any feedback you have about you know the feeling that um the your core values and how you're delivering those. I don't know if my delivery is very good because, you know, I wrote it out because I'm a writer, but um, my, um, my Ko-Fi, which is like Patreon, but it's give a coffee. And I just, cause I drink coffee. I kept the coffee theme and I called it, um, coffee is coffee and smut club but then because not everybody's going to understand what I mean by that I define the terms and I don't know if the blocks are too big and I need to find a different way to convey the message so I'm, can I read you what I have and you can give me feedback and tell me no make it shorter make it tighter do a video I don't know but I don't know if the message is getting across I know what the message is but I don't know if it's being consumed Read it out. Let's okay. It. So, what kind of club is this? I'm glad you asked. Let me throw out some definitions. Coffee. And then I define it like a definition an addictive hot drink, the ritual of gather- gathering of those who enjoy some of the same things and like to discuss them, a socially accepted <laughs> habit that causes no guilt or shame that can be shared with anyone who walks through my door. Coffee is a hug, coffee is friendship. And here's smut. Smut, the writing of deep, dedicated emotion that craves being known and desired, an expression of the wild and untamed hiding in men and women that our current world has no room for. Smut is heroes who kill the threats that they up to. Smut is heroes who kill the threats to those they love without remorse. Smut is heroines who find a place to be all they are meant to be and don't have to hide or be ashamed. Uh, that's great. I mean, that tells me so much about you. The the writing
1: <laughs> voice there is fantastic and, and what probably I'm going to expect if I am part of this community. Yes. Yeah. Um,
7: Long sentences, commas, and, you know, very much... <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think it's great. Yeah, very much. It's very much my style. But I is so, it? Is it? Is that just? Is it enough? I I think I, it is. You know, I I yeah. I I like guess,
1: it gives
0: it gives you a really good feel for the brand, and ultimately, it's just getting readers to care enough about you before they even get to that page. Once they get to that page, I think that accentuates the brand that I I think is yeah. is very interesting. But I, I do want to say. um, Thank you so much, everyone, for all your questions. I will be hanging out and we'll be able to chat more. But um, I just want to everyone, if you give like a virtual or even unmute and give a round of applause for Anne being here with us. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time, especially because she's literally traveling and took time of her weekend to be here with us. Thank so you. endlessly grateful. So much.
2: Hooray, for hooray. The
1: <laughs> Thanks. This is
0: applause. <laughs>
1: thank you for having me. I just love talking with authors about about marketing you know, you're my people and this is fun. So I'm delighted to be here. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Anne. This was amazing. And I'll be hanging out here. um, So no one has to go. Um, We'll continue the conversation because we just like hanging out every month, but for Anne joining us this time has been priceless. So thank you so much, Anne. I hope you have an amazing weekend.
1: Thanks for having me. You too. Everyone have a good weekend.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Awesome. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that. I know some people came in during the middle, um, but there'll be a recording of all of this sent out um, in the coming days. So don't, don't, don't worry about uh, missing any parts of it. I really highly recommend um, reading her book. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'll be sending out the guide with the call or with the transcript that we published in the full recording but it it, there was a lot of interesting insights and i think that i know not everyone here has a subscription i personally haven't even set up my subscription yet i will be in the new year but this mindset that she outlines for marketing uh is i think essential as authors but um with all of that um how is everyone doing um how has the last month been since we've had this chat and as always if you have any questions updates successes for the month Maybe some things you're struggling with in your author life. We'd love to hear it and love to help you out.
4: I have a
3: question comment. Can I just jump in?
0: Yeah. Okay. Everyone could jump in.
3: So I don't even know. If, I don't even know if there's a question here, but it's something I've been thinking about. I'm a fiction writer. I have not started my subscription. I'm, I'm still researching everything in the world um but one person you had on the podcast and I heard her speak somewhere else also El Griffin um yeah. she's kind of interesting to me and she seems her and I'm I wanted to get your reaction to like there seems to be a like a difference in mindset where I almost feel like she's more of like a mission focused subscription where it's, she kind of puts forth, like she's doing the utopian thing now. And it's like, I'm trying to create more good in the world. This is my mission. Like help me do that, which feels different than like a transact. Like it is still transactional based, but it seems a little different than like sign up for this. This is what you get both are fine. Like they're both business models. I'm just wondering if you have any ideas on like that more mission based focus. If that, if I'm like even articulating this, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, that's a that's great a, question. I, I love Elle. I follow her. I'm actually a subscriber of hers, but I, I, I think it's important to note her shift because she wasn't always doing this. And she's obviously like now pretty successful in subscriptions. She does um, maybe like, she's, I think, close to $20,000 per year in recurring revenue and subscriptions, which is great. Um, the thing is, how she got most of her subscribers, to my knowledge, and I think to her knowledge as well, are there for her nonfiction, her nonfiction about writers. So I found her because she was doing a series about writers who are being successful running subscriptions and in serial fiction. She started a Slack community um, for writers who are trying to monetize subscriptions. It's not as um, active, but... Oh, bye, Jodi. I hope you have a, a great last year weekend. Thank you for being here. And I will say, again, that Ann's book is great as well. But um, when it comes to... Subs- um. L subscription, her best day was when I subscribed. And I'll tell you why I subscribed. It wasn't because I subscribed, but because there was like 20, 30 other people who subscribed on that one day. And she basically sent out an email saying, I did a, you know, research for dozens of hours on finding all the agents and which ones are querying and sorted it by genre. And if you'd like to, I'm making it part of the premium subscription. So you had to pe- sign up for the whole year um, to be able to get it. Um, and I did it because I'm like, this is awesome. I already liked her. I already want to support her. And that is like what got me over the hump. Um, and I am a sci fi writer, I love what she's doing with this new utopian fiction. So I plan on continuing to support and renew my support for her in January. But it should be noted, like, I am like, almost like a coworker of hers, like we work in the same genre. And she's creating things that are really useful for me still professionally, and I enjoy them too. But it's definitely shifted. I don't feel like I signed up for her like in this way. I'm super cool with the shift. I think many of her audience is cool with the shift, but I'm it's yet to be seen. Will this end up growing more for her? Um the Substack team released like this whole thing on like where the what was working for her in marketing. Um, and they seem to have a similar notion to us, which was that, or what maybe you are thinking, which is like the people who subscribe to her are mainly other writers. Um so I think she's trying to shift that because she wants to be a fiction author. And I think she was just sharing her journey as a fiction author. And then obviously the people who are interested in your journey as a fiction author, if you're getting really granular about it are other fiction authors, not necessarily your readers. So I understand where she's at now and she's trying to navigate it. But I, I, I am cautioned to say, if like right now, what she's doing with her subscription is like a proven model. Like it may work really well. It may not. I think aligning subscriptions with a value could really, really work, but she's changed her value proposition and her community slightly. And I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, and I think it's a really interesting risk and it might work out for her really well. Um, but I think that someone who's like aligning his subscription more with like value very purely who we also had on the podcast is Elliot pepper. And he gives you nothing in return for his subscription. It is literally just, Hey, if you subscribe, know that I'll be doing more of writing because you're helping support me do it because he's a science fiction author. And he does consulting work for tech companies to kind of bolster his income. Um, And he puts out about a book a year, a book every um, year, every year and a half. And I think he does well off the books, but not enough to make a full-time income. I think he would like to be writing completely full-time, nothing else on his plate, Um, so this is a way for his readers who follow his insights about tech in the future, who know that he does this other work to be like, Hey, I would like Elliot to be full-time too. I'm going to help contribute. Um, and he was open though, on the podcast, he said, is this fully optimized for generating as much subscription revenue as possible? No, it isn't. And he was okay with that. And his opinion, he shared the most successful subscription businesses usually provide um, some sort of direct, um, something that's perceived as like, it doesn't have to be tangible, but value to the reader. And although it's like valuable for people to feel like they're supporting a cause, I think when Anne talks about embedding values with your business model, it's more saying, here's your stories. And this is my overarching brand. This is why you connect my characters. This is my mission. And that's why you're going to really want to have what I'm giving you because it's not just a great story. It's a great story that you believe in. Um, So I think that's the most beneficial and probably useful way to utilize it is combining both. Those are just my thoughts. Um, There's no right or wrong way to do it though. That's for sure. I think ultimately testing is where you'll find your answers. Um, Luckily, we have a lot of authors we talk to that can hopefully make your testing phase not as stressful. (laughs) Great, great question though. And I'd love to hear... Questions from anyone, any thoughts from anyone, especially if anyone has thoughts on that in particular.
4: I th- um,
0: Hi.
8: Can I, can I jump in on something you said earlier? How you doing, Michael?
0: <laughs> I'm doing good. Yes, you can jump in. I hope you stay safe while you're driving. Oh, Please don't.
8: Yeah. Thanks. I'm home. I'm home.
4: Oh, okay, okay, I good, it. <laughs> good. <laughs>
8: um, it was a comment, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a great, I, I, I don't want to get off the current topic because I think it's really cool, but I do want to jump back to something said earlier, which was the whole like email one-on-one conversation and yeah. uh, specifically that, yes, we can do this. Yes, it's wonderful and yes, readers enjoy it. Uh, Yesterday, I had probably the most emotional Zoom call I have had with my VIP club to date. And there were about 30 people in the room. And it's one person said something that just started cascading to the point that I was crying by the end, like straight up emotional. And they said, we don't know any other author who takes an hour of their day, which we do every Friday at noon, to have coffee with us and talk and first of all i was so privileged like i felt so honored that that we would be having this conversation that they would feel comfortable enough to say that but my my only response was i don't know why more authors don't do this and i, I get there are obstacles i get we can be introverted i get it's scary to be on camera i get time i get all the stuff right but at the end of the day i feel like there is this exchange that we have between us and our readers and our listeners. And there is an obligation in a certain regard. Like I, I, I want them to know how much I appreciate them and that I want to be with them. I want to know who they are to the point that we're planning a summer event next year in the Thousand Islands for them to come to. And I know, Amelia, you saw my, my initial list and you were like, that's super cool. But I'm like, if I could hug these people I would like some of them I know better than my own freaking family members for crying out loud. And so there's that sense of it's, 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 it's not that we, that we have to, or that we can, it's that we get to, we get to, and it, we're leaving things on the table if we don't take advantage of it. So that's all I wanted to say. I actually have
2: a similar experience this week. Um, I didn't go live or anything, but, um, it was like author's day like last week or something and I had a message from one of my readers, and she just like she sent me this like long like five paragraph like essay that I read the whole thing and it just made me cry so hard I was like she was just saying how much she appreciated me as a writer and that I connected with her and would respond to her messages and I was just like this is what I like want to do like this is it made me so happy yes yes so Yes, these connections are everything.
8: Yes, I love it.
0: <laughs> wow. Um. So, Christy, I think asked a question about. Um, do you? Can, can I answer it? Yes.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Do you do um? you do that via Zoom or Instagram Live? Um. Great question, Christy. I do that via Zoom. I bought the. It's like a hundred dollars for the year, so that I had more, uh, more viewer allowance. I think it's a hundred viewers. And I didn't have it capped at 40 minutes. Uh, I, I knew that I wanted to try to do an hour, and uh, it's it's worked really well. I'm going to try some streaming of my live audio narration of books this week. Actually, I have a book launching the following week, and so Michael's clapping. Yeah, I'm I'm super nervous to stream uh, through Streamyard to all of the things, but uh, it's an experiment. I'm not. You're the only people who've heard me say this. Like, I'm not advertising the initial streams. I just want to see what happens organically. So that's, that's a, that's a different funnel approach for me, but the zoom call is very personal and you have to be in my VIP club to experience that. And it will be a part of a subscription in January. Anyway, great question.
0: I love it. I love it. That's, I honestly think what you are doing is becoming like the first generation of author creators and there's, there's other authors doing it, but I think you're right when you say that most aren't and we should be. And I think that the future belongs to people like you, like the future of this industry and not even like what we think of as the publishing industry, but like, like the world, like it's people who build these kinds of relationships and communities that create movements that create anything. Like these are the people who are able to have the trust and, and power that we hopefully use in a, in a good way to be able to benefit things. And the power that you have to be able to connect with your readers in that way is immense. And who understands this, and and I think this is why you're, you're talking about streaming, you're talking about doing these things, and it's all experiments, you're right. But who's understood this better than authors, and they're five to 10 years ahead of where the author industry is at right now, but I think that'll change quickly, are YouTubers, are these live streamers. They have built real, real communities, and have also built, like frankly, it's a bigger industry than what's going on here and their storytelling. I honestly think we're much more talented as writers is like creating stories in these immersive worlds that people want to be a part of. There's no secret that like the first fandoms, like truly big fandoms came out of uh, zines that were going on in the thirties and forties, then television serials and, and now fandoms everywhere. But I think there's a real opportunity for authors to, to do that. So it's, it's amazing that you're, you're, able to like give that experience to your readers. Because at the end of the day, we were talking about it earlier, I think before you got on, like it can be stressful when we're like thinking about the next sale, thinking about our rankings on Amazon. And that can become like the metric we use to like think, are we having a good day? Is, is this a good month or a week as an author? But in a reality, like that's not what's going to keep us going and feeling fulfilled for like the next 10 years. It's moments like that where your readers tell you like, this is really meaningful. And then you go, wow, okay, this is why I do this.
8: Cool. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yes to everything you said. I'm, I'm cheering you on as you're talking, like it belongs to us. Yes. Uh, so thanks. I appreciate being here. I have to go by the way. I just got home, but this was so fun to sit yeah. in on and you're all freaking amazing and inspire me.
0: No, you inspire me and I think you <laughs> inspire all of us. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your weekend. <laughs>
4: Thanks. See you later. Thanks, Amelia. Bye. Awesome.
0: Okay. Well, anyone else have any questions, successes to share? I thought that was a really cool story from Chris. Like that's,
4: it's amazing.
9: I, I kind of have a question.
4: Yeah. Hello.
9: I'm not sure. It's a question. I am. Um, hello. So I'm an absolute newbie. I, um, I finished a novel, the third draft of it and I was absolutely set up to self-publish it. And then I think I heard Amelia talking somewhere, somewhere else about doing, um, uh, Patreon. And so I, and then I found, I started looking into it and I found, you know, your, your page and your podcast and I've loved every moment of it and appreciate all you're doing. And I'm just, I don't even know if it's a question, but when you're somebody absolutely new like me, I'm now looking into maybe serialization and using that to possibly um, um, build the Patreon or maybe the Ream if that's ready in time. Um, is that something you would recommend starting side by side or would you just you know, s- stick to the, I don't know what I'm gonna publish on yet, Wattpad or Radish or whatever but um, something like that, and then wait until you get to a
2: certain point before you would consider starting a subscription? I say start it right from the beginning, just because it's going to be easier. At least that's how I started mine. So kind of to back up, I actually had two Patreons when I started. I had one for my previous pen name, and I started that after I was on book three. Like I started that on book three, and it failed (laughs) into really poorly Um, but then I started uh, my Amelia Rose brand and my subscription at the same time and that one kind of exploded because I feel like I was conditioning my readers to to like read ahead and read early access from the beginning so I wasn't saying like you have to wait for next week to get another chapter or you can just buy it off of Amazon I was saying like if you want to read early access you can always read it on this website um so i my recommendation is always to start as early as possible because it's going to be easier to like teach your readers to read in a specific way
4: i hope that helps thank you very much
0: what i would also say too is that um You know, in the beginning, when you think about your subscription, I wouldn't do all a lot of the fancy stuff that some of the people that we've had in the podcast, a lot of people in our group are doing with like merch, with exclusive stories, like all that can be really great. But in the beginning, you don't, you don't even have like a group of readers yet. So you don't know what they want. So I would say like view it as if you're setting up just another place to post your story, it's like you're posting to Wattpad, you're posting to the subscription platform you're posting to radish, whatever subscription uh whatever serial fiction platforms besides that maybe Vela if you're in the states and and then you know you also in addition post it to this platform, but maybe a week early and you just get that habit built into your state of publishing and in the beginning like like the, you're not going to see anyone subscribe to you immediately when you post your first story, especially before your first chapter's anywhere else. But as long as you have that expectation, you're kind of building that habit. And, and then, you know, eventually it'll start slow. Um, I think for Amelia, it took you like two or three months of very much middling growth almost to for it, it like exploded. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a few months. definitely before it kind of took off and yeah it's very discouraging in the beginning if you're not getting anyone Um, but like even that first person who joins it's kind of like a rush I mean it makes you want to keep going and makes you want to continue to grow so a lot I feel like a lot of people right now just might not see as much growth as they hope but it's like something that has to happen over a longer extended period of time
0: Another note as well is that if you don't want to do it on chapter one, which I completely understand, you have a lot on your plate in the beginning. And when you're making the first move to put your work out into the world, that's a really big moment. And, you know, initially you, you might just want to get readers. So um, my advice would be to follow what a lot of the Royal road authors do. If you're really serious about wanting to do this early access subscription model, a lot of them don't open up their subscription from day one. They might do it like 12 chapters in and it, it's become like a norm on the platform that, like, okay, they have their release schedule, maybe three chapters a week and a month in they've gained some sort of traction and now they're going to be in, opening up that subscription. So that that's just um, a way to think about it um, that you do it early on, but it doesn't have to literally be day one. If you're not comfortable with that, because frankly, I do believe anything that keeps you from writing more and getting your work out in the world is not a good thing. So if a subscription day one holds you back on that, do it after you've published three chapters and you get into a little bit of a groove. Um, But definitely don't wait until, uh, or I should not say definitely, it might not be an amazing idea to wait till book three if you want to optimize for this early access model. Um, because then readers will already be so into the story and they've already gotten a certain type of way. So they're not going to be that invested to do it this other way. Uh, an example, actually, like real life an author who experiences this just as his natural flows descriptions is Michael Chapio. So he has anywhere between like 2000 to like 700 readers uh, subscription. And it varies, but it varies over the course of like a year to two years. So he, has been publishing this very successful series, The 10th Realm. And in the beginning, it did super well on his subscription. Super, super well. But then eventually, obviously, he's taking those books that he serialized and bringing them into full like packaged eBooks that'll be up on the retailers. And he's exclusive to Amazon. And now that he's done that, all of the prior books in the subscription aren't there. So you only are getting the future books in the series. And now those people who've kind of read him in a certain way they're already at book nine some people have dropped off by that amount in the series right just typical read-through rate and then some people have come in through amazon and subscribe but then some people haven't they're not there yet they're maybe waiting for it but they're like well i'll just keep getting these books the normal way so then he sees a drop off but then when he releases a new series he sees a huge surge in his subscription of people who are accessing it that way um and the so it that's just him that's how his business works and what he shared with us in terms of like the peaks and flows of it. So I think it can show that like, if you're launching a subscription towards the middle or end of your series, we at least have a lot of anecdotal evidence from talking to a lot of authors that it doesn't maybe work as well. But if you launched at the beginning, there's a lot of evidence that it can work really well. Um, But that doesn't mean that you don't launch on your first series and you're excluded forever. You could launch it at a later series um, as well. So, you know, there's always options, but I think the early on in your career the better because the more base of your readers that will be trained in that way, and then it'll just become the norm in your fandom in a sense. Yeah. Um, so Jen said, Michael, what are you doing uh, to plan your upcoming launch? Whom are you targeting? What will you offer? That's a great question. I actually have uh, two, two book launches coming up. Um, And they're targeted to completely different audiences. But I think that's because I'm in a unique situation. So I'll talk about fiction first, because I think that's what's most applicable to people here. And then I'll talk about nonfiction. Um, So for my fiction, I am releasing a book called Millennium Game. It's a young adult dystopian novel, and I will be putting it out on serial fiction platforms um, like Wattpad. Um, I, I don't think it's a great fit for Radish. It's not too stimmy, but, um, places like Wattpad and Bella. So I'll start serializing there. Um, and then opening up to early access on a subscription. And then, um, that book will go out in retailers, probably sometime around spring or summer of 2023. And I will get around to writing and releasing the second and third book with a similar strategy. I have an existing base of readers, um, that knows me for why dystopian fiction and the ways I plan on promoting it are a bit different because I'm also focused on building relationships so there's two ways I'm doing that one is speaking um, at schools Um, I'm speaking like in January at a school with like 500 students all middle schoolers Um, so I think that'll you know that's an outlet that I'll be able to build a personal relationship with students um, who would likely want to read my books and then another way I'll be doing it is through my social media. So I have a YouTube channel um, that's directed at college students and high schoolers. So my target age group, and it's just a blog of my life to get people to connect with me. So that's kind of like that whole marketing apparatus and how I build relationships and community with my readers. Uh, I'm not, to be honest though, uh, spending a ton of time on that because I am doing nonfiction as well, which I, I will talk about. Um, and that launch plan as well, because I think that's relevant too. So yeah, that's kind of the fiction plan. Um, And it's something that I am doing, but I'm not spending my full focus on. And that's because I am also working nonfiction, and also on ream, and they're connected. And basically, my nonfiction plan, and then I'll share why I'm doing it. But the nonfiction plan is I've written a book called creator comedy for authors. Some of you maybe have read like a beta copy. Um, I'm getting ready to the art copies now. Um, so they'll be ready in like probably a week, but essentially I'm releasing that sometime in April. My audience is authors and I'm just looking to share it with the podcasts I enjoy and the writers that I'm already friends with. Um, And I'll also be creating a blog where I share my thoughts on where the publishing industry is going. So that's kind of like that marketing strategy. And that ties into us, the launch for Reem. And in the beginning, like my whole passion in doing this was realizing that I felt like building an author creator future, all the stuff Christopher was talking about is something that isn't easy for authors. And there's no like real place that we can go as authors, to be able to build a true creator business, a world around our stories. So meeting Amelia and seeing that she does something different, um, I was like, maybe we can work on something awesome together. Sean, her husband, is a software engineer. So we've been building Ream for now the last eight months. And to be completely honest, most of my focus is there now. I've realized that like, for me as an author, someone who loves writing about science and technology in the future, that like being engaged with like storytelling and world building in this way is really fascinating for me. So I'm, I'm almost like writing fiction as like a side hustle. And I'm really focused on helping other authors, helping build this world for all of us. Um, so when you think about seeing who's like really running the business in terms of like a fiction business and doing a great job, look to Amelia because Amelia is definitely still focusing on that in a major way um, and is crushing it. And um, I think has a lot to admire in that sense. So I always have some insights to share, mainly from prior practice and observing people today and dabbling myself. Um, but yeah, you can't do everything at once. So that, that that's my story there. And I will just briefly say, um, on the REAM launch, we haven't publicly announced this yet. Um, but the first thing I will share here, first look, um, especially because when we send the email out, we'll actually be including this in the email is that we are officially launching um, our waitlist for Ream in January of 2023. In early January of 2023, we will be opening up and letting a, a few authors in. How this will work is that essentially the platform is all near, nearing completion now. By j- beginning of January, it's going to be in great shape to have people on. But we don't want to let the whole world on or more authors than we can handle. So we want to take things slow and let in batches of 10 to 25 authors for the first couple of weeks and first couple of months before we have a completely open launch where anyone can sign up and join. So that's how we're doing things because our real goal is just to serve every author as awesome as possible and serve your readers as awesome as possible. And since it's just the three of us right now, um, we want to see what we're in for um, and how we can like build systems and processes that do that great. And also fixing up some bugs that'll probably still be apparent on the site in the beginning. So those are kind of our plan. And if you're on our waitlist for Reem, which we're going to be launching our site as well um, very soon. But uh, this is like our kind of test site almost. Uh, If you're on the waitlist, we will be launching an email in early January to join our on deck. And right now we have slots open in our on deck that'll probably mean that you'll get off the wait list and onto our platform with your invite at some point, um, end of January, early February. But we're, we're opening up things like as they're ready, as we work individually with each author to give them an amazing time on this platform. Like we'll literally be having like an hour call with everyone who comes on in the beginning. So you're all going to have very personal help from me and Amelia. um, And that's why we want to take things slow. So that's the, that's the, um, that's the plan as far as launching goes. Um, Christy, um I'm great that you I
2: just wanna I just wanna say sorry, I gotta go. But it was nice chatting with everyone.
0: No, it was great having you, Amelia. It was great. And I'll hang around probably for another like ten minutes or so if anyone else has other questions. But Amelia, amazing hanging out with you.
4: So Christy, thank, thank you
0: for the kind words. Jen, always thank you so much. Uh, super excited to continue seeing you around in the Facebook group and at more of these fireside chats because we'll continue doing them. You're the best. Also, oh, I'm sorry, because I think I've had like a, a um, what is it called? A buffer, like this entire time. And it's made things awkward. Uh, I've been trying to like manage it through Zoom best you can. But I guess my Wi-Fi is not working that well, which is annoying. So I, I'm just apologizing for that. Because um, I think you guys have noticed. I have noticed for myself no, that yeah. I have a buffer. But yeah, if you have any questions, I will hang out for, I've got like another five-ish minutes now before I have to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm here hanging out.
9: I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate that you did this and, um, and for your answer to my question.
0: Are you kidding? Anytime. I, yeah, this, this is really like what I wish I was able to have when I was starting out about five years ago, publishing, and I think no matter where people are at, like Christopher's obviously like, he's been doing this for a really long time and he's a very advanced author, whether someone's just starting out, it's important to have a space where we can talk about these things. So I, I probably get so, I shouldn't say I get more from it than anyone else, but I certainly like get so much value from these conversations as well that um, it's a privilege for me to be able to be here with you all. But uh, yeah, if, if anyone has any questions too, you can always email me directly because I am always down to chat. Um, I, I do my best to respond to things uh, quickly. Uh, sometimes I have uh, school classes that are, you know, tend to take priority. But um, luckily, the semester's almost done and my future semesters are a little bit less in terms of the workload. Uh, but I, I always get back as quick as I can. Um, so you can email me there. I dropped it in the chat. Um, I hope you all have a lovely day. Um, Lauren, you're the last one here. Um, so I'll probably exit now unless you have any final words. Uh,
4: you're you're good.
2: I was just uh, hanging out.
0: No, I love it. Super, super excited to have you here. And if, um, yeah, if you ever have any questions, like I said, feel free to email me. And I hope you have a great weekend. You as well. Bye, Lauren.